This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. Yeah, you have to like click that. It's kind of hot in here. my job today is to try to cover a little bit of uh, reflections from ayahs number 78 and 79 of Surah Yusuf. Uh, so we've, those of you guys that have been following the series so far know that we are at a point now where Yusuf السلام, has hashed the scheme, Allah has endorsed that scheme, the cup was placed inside of Binyamin's bag, it's been recovered now, and when it's been recovered, the brothers, instead of defending their younger brother, they throw him under the bus and say, well, if he stole, well, it runs in that side of the family. So that is something we talked about, and now we're coming to two ayat that we're going to read together, and then we'll try to gain some insights from what Allah is telling us in these two ayat. So let's start by translating these simply. They said, Minister. So the Yusuf's brothers called out to Al Aziz, Al Aziz being Yusuf now. Interesting, right? So, first time we heard the word Al Aziz was when we were introduced to the minister, the, you know, the, the Potiphar, uh, whose he was a slave to. So, some have extrapolated from that that actually now he was, now that he was exonerated and his innocence was proven. And maybe even, we don't know this for a fact, but maybe even the cover-up by the minister was unearthed and he's been replaced by him, meaning the one he used to be the slave for, he now has his job and has his title and his position. It can also be that he has a higher job than even that minister because now he has ardi yasha. He can settle and put rules in whatever capacity, in whatever department. So he's kind of head of all the departments of government in that sense, right? So he's even higher than what that Aziz may have had in terms of position. The other interesting thing is that now the brothers are calling him minister or the one who has authority and power. So they're, 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 uh, this word actually has a few connotations. Uh, the word azza, the, the root letters, ain zaza, they actually come from uh, dirt that won't fly off or that won't shift. You know, like uh, when I moved here from the east coast of the United States into Texas, the first thing that architecturally I found different here is uh, we don't have basements in homes here, right? And basements are a normal thing in the east coast. And the primary reason here is the soil shifts. So you can't actually, it's a foundational problem. It's much more expensive to build a basement here and you have to have a lot more reinforcement because the soil keeps shifting. I'm giving you that example because when soil shifts or dirt flies and things like that, then it's not holding its place and it's not staying strong. And it's, it lacks izza actually in the original literal sense of the word. So when something is strong and doesn't move and you, you would expect it to move, but it won't move. That's actually one of the, the fundamental meanings of the word. And from it, of course, Allah's name, Al-Aziz, right? And they commonly translate Al-Aziz as mighty. Um, 
something that doesn't move has been extrapolated and other literary connections have been made to it in, in, in Arabic over the, you know, over the centuries. And part of that is when someone is principled or someone has power and they are not budging from that power. Like they, they were who they are. It's like a statue that's in place, a, a firm foundation, right? A stable government, can, can a, a government has izzah then, right? Or a person who's known for their power and their principles and they never shift from those principles and never shift from that power. Their power hasn't reduced over time. They're said to have izzah. Okay, so, you know, in Ghazali's thematic study of the Qur'an, he attributes some other things that may not have a linguistic origin, but thematically he argues Al-Aziz is someone who no one else can have authority over, which by implication also makes sense. But Izzah, interestingly, also is a word of respect. So in the Qur'an, it comes as an, as an opposite or an antonym of Villa. Villa in Arabic means to be powerless and also to be humiliated. There are two things in Villa, to be powerless and to be humiliated. And the opposite of that, izza, is to have power and to have dignity. So when power and respect come hand in hand together, then a person has izza. And there are two scenarios for that. I mean, I'm diving a little deep into this word, and they may not mean all of this etymology. They're just calling him minister. But it's interesting choice of words that the Quran chose to translate that. There are other words you can use for government officials, right? So this word, it has a few themes uh, underneath it one of them is if someone you know demands your respect because of the power that they have so it could be that you respect someone only because of the power that they have that's one scenario of izzah you can have that so somebody commands power and therefore they command respect right so it can be for example that an easy scenario for that could be a judge you know when a judge walks into the courtroom they say all rise Right, So he has that power in the courtroom and you have to respect him because of the power that he has. You may not know him personally. You don't know what his judgments are like. You don't know any personal character traits of his that make you admire him and respect him. But the power that he holds, the role that he holds makes you automatically respect him. You understand? So that's a kind of izzah too. Just because the role that someone is playing, they immediately command respect. The other is that you, you, know, you have someone that has power but they only have artificial respect, right? So you can have, for example, there could be a student who um, has to listen to the teacher, has to give in to the teacher's authority, but has no respect for their teacher. So begrudgingly listens to their teacher. That's kind of a, you know, it's a, it's a fake kind of izzah because it's not genuinely respect. I would argue that izzah actually means someone genuinely has respect for the one who has authority. Because people in authority can do two things. They can command you to have respect for them and you can show artificial respect to them. Or you genuinely have respect for them. Because you've accepted that authority and you actually genu genuinely respect the fact that they are the rightful person to have that kind of authority. When you surrender both of those things, meaning you, you admit that they have that power, and you respect them for it, and you respect the position that they have. That's actually when you consider somebody Al-Aziz. Now the brothers are starting, they're going to make their case, and the first thing they say is a term that's used for him, which could be generic, meaning minister, they're calling him by his title, but inside of it, what could also be embedded is, they've already acknowledged how much respect they have for him, and how much power that he has. So we're not, what we're about to say, we in no way mean any disrespect, because you're Al-Aziz. And in no way are we saying that we have any influence over your decision because you're Al-Aziz. You're the one who decides. 
incidentally, this is the name of Allah that Jesus is going to use, Isa alayhi salam, when he speaks on behalf of people that ignorantly committed shirk. He calls on Allah and he calls him Al-Aziz to suggest, I am pleading for them, but I respect the position you come from and I have no say in your authority. Which was absolutely important because the Christian creed was that he has a say in salvation. Right, So he uses a name for Allah on Resurrection Day that eliminates the possibility that he has any say in salvation. That he has any role in that to play. In fact, that is entirely in the authority of Allah which he himself respects and thus he calls him what? Al-Aziz. Right? So, and there's other parts to that but inshallah one day when we study Surah Al-Ma'idah, Surah Al-Nisa we'll, we'll deal with that subject. It's really powerful stuff. But anyway, coming back to this. The brothers are now telling their 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 youngest brother, their younger brother Yusuf, who was not so many so many years ago he was powerless, and he had no respect in their eyes, and now look at the irony they call that same brother that they just called a thief, and calling someone a thief is humiliating, isn't it? And now he has no power to defend himself, and he never did. So he had no power, and he had no respect in their eyes, right? And look at the irony of their words. The one who has power and respect, minister, Al-Aziz, is coming out of their mouth. So whether you like it or not, when Allah decides that He will give you dignity and power to who He wants, you won't even know that you'll give them that dignity and power. Willingly, they would never give Yusuf salam respect or acknowledge his power had they, if they knew. They would not do that willingly. And now they're coming to him in humility. Allah has turned the tables in such a remarkable way in this one statement. It's just, just think about what they're saying and who they're saying it to. The one they considered powerless, they can do whatever. They're discussing multiple choice options. Should we kill him? Throw him somewhere? Oh, let's put him in. These are the multiple choice options. Is that someone who has any power or you have power over them? You know? And then calling him a liar or calling him a thief? My God, no respect. Both of those elements that come inside Al-Aziz. And now they're acknowledging it. So they say, Ya ayyuhal qalu, Ya ayyuhal aziz. And Yusuf must have appreciated the irony in those words. <laughs> You're calling me Al-Aziz? And then what did they say? The words are pretty epic. Inna lahu aban shaykhan kabiran. There's no doubt, sir. He has, meaning bin Yamin, who's being arrested right now because the cup was found in his bag. He's got a father, and then there's two attributes for the father. He's got a father who's very old, shaykhan. Shaykhan means he's old. Kabiran could be a mubalagha, and an added sifa for shaykhan, meaning he's extremely, really, really old, right? And kabiran can also mean, you know, that, that he is kareem, meaning he, kabir could mean he's big in our eyes, meaning we have a lot of respect for him, and he's a dignified person, he's a good person. And we, we think big of him, we think highly of him because of, you know, his status. So not just he's old, but he's also a very respectable old man. Now interestingly, they say he's got a father who's very old and respectable or extremely, extremely old. Now before you even read any further, sir, please don't take him as a slave. Because you know, we said the punishment for someone who's found stealing is that they themselves become the pay, meaning they become a slave. Remember that? Please don't take him as a slave. Spare him not for him, because we don't like him. We already told you, you know, theft runs in the outside of the family. So we don't want you to be considerate to him because you should spare him. He deserves it. 
but he's got a dad who's so respectable and his he'd be heartbroken he would be so broke you know cuz he takes care of him and he's really attached to him and if you remember previously they even told the minister yusuf they told him before we'll try to slip him away from his dad somehow remember that so they've already made a case that he's very dad's very attached to him the irony in these words you are telling yusuf you couldn't possibly bear to hurt your father's feelings by separating one of his children from him that he loves so much do you hear yourself what did you do with yusuf <laughs> you yusuf and isab listening to them say no we really care about our dad and he'd be heartbroken if we took yusuf bin yamin away and yusuf isab must be going in his head really so you care about the father's feelings and even though you don't care for him your consideration for the father makes you say i shouldn't separate bin yamin from him huh where was this sentiment when you were doing what you were doing with me you understand the irony so he said they say inna lahu aban shaykhan kabiran he's got a father who's a very old man now lahu is interesting duality in the language uh you could say in simpler arabic lesser words you can say inna abahu shaykhun kabirun his father is an old man right of, of course it's their father too right so it's not just his father it's their father and they've already said that but they didn't say that it's our father they said it's his father to illustrate that dad has a special relationship with him and the language isn't his father is very old he i translated it he has a father but another literal literal translation in english would be uh, you know his uh, he's got a father who's for him lahu actually dad is all about him he's just his it's like it's his. he's like it's his you know dad just is completely on his side he's completely in love with him and can't bear to be away from him for so long it was hard enough to get him this time so inna lahu aban shaykhan kabiran and you know now they're trying to say that our dad is respectful kabiran his old age should be taken into consideration and also the fact that he's a respectable man a kabir should be taken into consideration this is the same father when he cried for yusuf and when he when he showed love for yusuf you used to call him utterly lost this is the same father that you're going to yell at later on in the surah you they're going to yell at him that's going to happen and right now you're saying he's very respectful You know what this is? This is a behavior where you tell someone what you think they need to hear. You see him as a respectful man, as someone who helps the poor and the needy. So definitely he's going to be helpful or uh, you know have a soft corner for an old man. They don't know that he knows it's his dad. They don't know that, but they know that he's a sentimental person. He's someone who's caring for the poor. Look at how he's taking care of foreigners and guests. Look at how generous he was to us. So let's appeal to that side of his. they personally couldn't care less about bin yamin and that's become clear why because they just threw him under the bus a line ago but they're like oh i think we went too far what's going to happen with dad they didn't think through their entire crime right so now they're backtracking and saying please not if not for him for his dad inna lahu aban shaykhan kabiran then they say fa khudh ahadana makanahu therefore take one of us in his place Now I don't say take one of us in this place as a slave necessarily. I doubt that they were willing to enslave themselves. But they're saying there must be some other solution. We can come up with a form of payment or something that can, you know, compensate for him 
But because there's a special circumstance, his father is in special need of him. We are, one of us is willing to stay here as collateral, like a bail bond, right? Like you, you got a guarantee. We're, one of us will take his place and will remain imprisoned until we can come up with an alternative solution. We're, we're absolutely willing to do that, sir. Please show us some clemency. Please show us some leniency. And then they end with the following. Certainly we see you among the kind of people that do excellence, that do good. Now this do good has been interpreted in multiple ways. Let's quickly go through them. One of them is we see that you've done a lot of good to us already. You gave us double what we deserved. Remember that? You give us an entire free load. You've been nothing but good to us, sir. We, we plead with you. You've been nothing but good to us. Please show us this one more kindness. So that's one way of looking at it. Min al-muhsineen can mean we see that you've done to the, good to the entire country. And you're a person of mercy and, and care. And you go above and beyond to show courtesy to people. Please show courtesy to our, to our, you know, our old father. We see you the, as a kind of person that would do that. Inna naraka min al-muhsineen also means, sir, we see you as someone who doesn't just stick to the letter of the law. Because you know, you have different kinds of judges, right? You know, when someone's sitting in the judge's bench, and this is an important distinction, obviously a judge is going to give a verdict based on the law, right? But at the end of the day, a judgment is a combination of two things. It's a combination of the law and the judge. If, if the law on its own was just enough, then you would put it inside a computer algorithm and solve the case and be done with it. And every, every verdict would be the same for every crime. But you'll notice a judge will have similar cases in front of him and he'll give different verdicts, right? Different sentences. One will get five years, one will get 10 years, one will get time off. Right? And one will get, you know, no bail and no, no room for clemency, and the other one's gonna get pardoned. Does that happen? Yeah, because and is that all still within the law? Yes, it is. Because law isn't just about the rules, it's the rules and the person put in charge to make the execution, makes the judgments. Right? There's this famous judge. I think he's up, up north somewhere because I can tell from his eyes, maybe Massachusetts. A very old man, very wise, very lenient. And they have YouTube videos of him where, you know, somebody's got a speeding ticket or crossed a stop sign. And he's very, he shows a lot of clemency to them, right? He shows, oh, this is the first time you should, you know, be more careful, etc. He's a very merciful judge. And people love to see that from him. And there could be someone else who can take that one opportunity and just wreck somebody, right? So they see him as a kind of judge that shows leniency. So they're appealing to that side of his and saying, could you please take this into consideration? And given that you kind of like us and have given us some special considerations, maybe we're hoping that you can also, you know, go, go a bit easy on us this time. Now, the thing is, Yusuf has created this scenario and it, it becomes more and more obvious that he's created this scenario in collaboration with his youngest brother. He and his brother are in on this scheme. The brother isn't surprised. Because if he's surprised and he starts screaming, I didn't do it, right? Then that's not going to, the plan's not going to work. So they have to make it work. I'm getting distracted. What's going on? Hi. Okay. So uh, uh, so when, when he says, Inna, when they say, we see you from those that do, do really good. It's interesting. This is the second time you, you see this phrase said to Yusuf, the two guys in prison who wanted their dream interpreted, needed something from him. They said, we see you as someone who does a lot of good. And now he's in this position and they say, you, we see you as someone who does a lot of good. And this is not an accident. These are called echoes in the, I call them echoes. Like exactly the same words repeated, right? These are, it's an echo of a previous statement. Wait, wait, I've heard this before. 
Somebody said this to Yusuf before. And it was those two guys in prison that said it before. And now we're hearing an echo of that here in this ayah. What would that mean? Well, if you look at it by comparison, you've got Yusuf in a position where he's completely and utterly powerless. He's a cellmate in a prison. And now he's the most powerful man in all of Egypt. So he's in the lowest possible position a human being can be. And then he's in the highest possible position a human being can be in Egyptian society. Yes? In life. That's the lowest you can have. That's the highest you can have. Right? And in both those scenarios, anybody who observes him sees that he does good. Isn't that something incredible? They say money changes people. Power changes people. Your situation changes you. You know, you get too big for your own good. That would happen. And here you have Yusuf not telling people, I'm the same as I always was. People themselves are testifying that you're the same as you always were. They don't even know his past and they see him as a muhsin. And people didn't even know him in prison. They just observed him and said he's a muhsin. What, what that tells you is character is not a product of your circumstances. Solid character that's based on our faith, ihsan. And by the way, that word, this, these two echoes are echoes of a statement of Allah. وَكَذَلِكَ نَجْزِي الْمُحْسِنِينَ That's what Allah said. That is how we compensate those who do their very best. Those who do ihsan. So when, when someone lives by ihsan to Allah, then their circumstances, difficulty, ease, a prison cell, a government office, it doesn't change their ihsan. It doesn't change their principles. They have more opportunity to do good or they have less opportunity to do good, but whatever the good they can do, they will do. Whatever way in which they can help, they will help. And that's actually what they're banking on. This is a man who will help people any opportunity he gets, any chance he gets. And so we're going to try to, you know, use that. And because and now you ask, you would ask, what's their motivation? Well, their motivation is if they go back to father, they've already, you know, hum, you know, uh, stabbed the father in the back so badly that even when he was letting Bin Yamin go, alayhi salam, he said, "Are you going to do to him what I should trust you like I did with Yusuf?" He said that to them, and now they're going to go back and say what? Um, so you know the whole thing about us keeping him safe and. Yeah, well, that didn't happen. He stole. He stole. I know my... Does he not know Binyamin? Does he not know? That, and if you say that it, it runs on that side of the family, let me tell you, there, why, why would Yaqub love them more? The Bible's answer might be they come from the same mother. He loved her more, therefore he loves them more. That would not be the Quranic answer. The Quranic answer will be a, a father will have special love and consideration for a child that shows special promise and character. That shows goodness. And it's even harshness when a father is a disciplinary. That's also a kind of love. But you can't be encouraging to someone who keeps on doing bad things. They need tough love. And when someone's doing good thing, they need good things. They're doing it, they, they need encouragement so they can keep on going. So the fact that he gives them all kinds of encouragement actually means bin Yamin has very high character. Right? And that's why Yaqub loves him. We think of Yaqub as a fair man. Obviously, the fairest of all people were prophets. So there's no way he was partisan towards some of his kids because of what wife they were born from. That, that doesn't work. That's, not, that's an allegation against Yaqub. So what would, what would work? What would work is this child has reasons to be lovable and to be liked and to, be, to have more time spent with him. And he himself is willing to spend more time. It's not like Yaqub is denying those other sons of his time and attention, they don't want it. They just don't want anybody else to have it. I, I'm almost reminded of kids that you buy them all kinds of toys and they never play with them until somebody comes over. 
And when somebody comes over, that all of a sudden becomes, no, this car is my favorite. And as soon as they leave, not my favorite anymore. It was just my favorite because I don't want to use it, but it burns me when you use it. it. Hurts me right here. I don't need dad's love. I don't need his respect. I don't need to spend time with him. But it really irks me when he spends time with you. <laughs> you know, it's not like they improved their relationship with their dad. You know what? They said to themselves, once you get rid of Yusuf, we'll be good people. Once he's gone, you'll see that's not the case, actually. They're not any better to him. In fact, they cause him even more hurt. They cause their dad even more hurt. And the, the contrast has to be kept in mind because here they are trying to convince Yusuf, we're looking out not for Binyamin, who's got a thief, thievery problem, a stealing problem, a shoplifting habit, but rather we're looking out for our dads who we care about so much. Ah, uh, no you don't. No you do not. But actually some part of them does care. Let's balance the It's not like they don't care at all. They know they're going to be in all kinds of trouble with dad when they go back. And some part of them still, the father's an old man. He has no physical power over them. He has no material or you know financial power over them. He just he's the father figure and his disappointment is actually something scaring them for once. So even, and this is another dimension of influence. Somebody may not have influence over you because they can hurt you physically or hurt you socially or hurt you in, you know, financially. They have no other influence over you except that they're your parent or they're someone you looked up to. Even if you have a rough relationship with them, there's still a degree of influence you can't let go of. And that scares them. That they're going to get yelled at by dad or dad's going to be so disappointed in us or he's going to actually call us a liar again. We're going to have to go through that again. So they make this case to Yusuf. And now for the conclusion of today's session, we're going to read ayah number 79 and that's Yusuf's brilliant response. He says, Qala, he said, Allah, I cling to Allah for refuge. Which is remarkable words because that's all he's done his entire life. And actually he did that the first time his brothers threw him into the pit. He was clinging to Allah for refuge. And when the, when the wife of the minister was going to throw him into sin, he clung to Allah for refuge. And in all those years in prison, he clung to Allah for refuge. And now he says, I cling to Allah for refuge. Allah, he calls it out. And this is, you know, rough translation would be God, for, God forbid. But what is he? What, what, people need refuge with him. What does he need refuge for? I seek refuge that I would be an unfair judge. I cling to Allah for refuge against the, the evil potential of my own power. Because when I have power, power itself is my enemy. It can destroy me. It can become something I get drunk on, and I do wrong, and I don't even consider that Allah is watching. I want to hold on to Allah for protection when I'm weak. He says, I'm going to hold on to Allah for, for protection when I'm strong. You see the remarkable language here? Why would... You see, someone starving could say, I cling to Allah. Someone in danger would say, I cling to Allah. He was in the, in the room with the minister's wife, running from sin, and he was clinging to Allah. That's when he said, Allah, And now he's saying, Allah is sitting on the throne. That's, that's ihsan. That's excellence. Your relationship with Allah didn't change. And the, the, what you fear will take you away from Allah has changed. What, what he feared inside the minister's house was different. What he fears now, sitting on the throne, is different. Now it's a different kind of temptation. There was lust before, there's power now. I can just make whatever judgments I want. So he says, look at the power, the, the beauty of his words. He says, I cling on to Allah 
an na'khudha illa man wajadna mata'ana indahu that we would take anybody meaning we would arrest or confine anybody except the one with whom we found our goods our mata' so i seek allah's refuge that i would arrest the wrong person for the wrong crime but he didn't say arrest and he didn't say thief he said listen carefully I seek Allah's refuge that I should take anybody except the we should take anybody or hold on to anybody except the one we found our goods with. So when you say we found our goods with you, if I say I found my pen with you, right? Or I found my keys with you, I'm not necessarily calling you a thief. Am I? The 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 precision of the language is I'm going to hold on to the one who, who, we're going to hold on to the person we found our goods with without actually calling him a thief and still speaking the truth. <laughs> it's very precise language. He didn't say we should arrest or we will only hold on to the thief. He didn't call him a thief who we found our stuff with. Then he uses the word we, which can be interpreted in two ways. One, it could be that royalty speaks as we. So he's in the position of kingdom and authority. So he says we will not take anyone except... The one who we found our things with. Right? So he's talking about himself, but talking in the we. That also has a side implication that I speak on behalf of all of us. I speak on behalf of the security guards, the ministers, the administration, and the king. When I say we, it is all of our voices as one coming out of my mouth. That's what we can also mean. The royal we can suggest we as an empire have spoken. Not just me as a person has spoken. We as Egypt are speaking. Right? The other interesting thing, another way of looking at this is that there are a bunch of people around. The police surrounded them, remember? The authorities are all in on it. And usually you have top down, you know, the one who has the authority, he speaks and everybody else listens. But it's like he brings everybody in and says, we have laws and regulations here. We don't take anyone except the one we found the bag with. And all the cops are like, yeah, we don't do that around here. Like team us, you understand? He brought everybody in on this as if to say, I abide by the regulations like everybody else. This applies to all of us. It's bigger than me. This is all of us. And the other really interesting um, play on words here could be that <laughs> Sheikh Suhaib suggested that. I was like, huh, maybe. And that is that maybe he's when he says we, he's saying me and my brother. I seek Allah's refuge. Uh, me and my brother aren't going to take anybody except we've, the one who we found the bag with, meaning this is our plan. But we ain't telling you in direct words. We're telling you, in, <laughs> I'll say it in indirect words. In that, and the, the, the other side, you know, just subtleties in the language. Mata'ana wajadna mata'ana indahu. We found our things with him. Mata' also in Arabic means enjoyment. It means things. It also means what? Enjoyment. Yusuf salam has enjoyed the company of his brother. And mata'ana the play on words also, I'm not giving up someone I found so much enjoyment with. Because <laughs> we found our mata' with him, meaning in his company. <laughs> mata' can also mean something to utilize, something to put to use. So it could also mean... We're not, I'm, we're not going to take anybody except the one we're going to put to use put to use for our plan. Our plan is part of him. So there's play on words in here that they can't see, but Yusuf Ali has dropped it all on them. 
inside just the words illa man wajadna mata'ana indahu of course mata'ana more explicitly everybody's hearing it what do they hear the cup that we found our cup it's also interesting mata'ana the cup could be my cup but he's saying our cup so it could be the royal we or he could also be saying even this cup that i drink from that the government has provided me isn't my personal property it's our property so it's kind of like this personal responsibility thing that that you find here something that i want to highlight here that i only started alluding to remember i talked about the law and the judge and how a judge can be lenient with the law right there are times where a judge is expected to be lenient and there are other times where a judge is supposed to be by the letter is supposed to execute and sometimes even mercilessly execute uh, execute the, the judgment of the book why because if he keeps on being lenient what will people do like if every time people run a red light the judge forgives the judge forgives the judge forgives guess what's going to happen there won't be any different left difference left in that town between a red light and a green light you understand because there's no consequences so you, sometimes you have to have consequences and this is also a matter of impression people are watching people have seen that yusuf has been really good to them and you don't want to give that example now he's even taken that into consideration where they got off the hook now again but of course he has his own agenda behind it he says inna idhalawalimun we in that case would be wrongdoers if we did that if we gave preferential treatment to you or if we put somebody else crime with someone else punishment with somebody else then we would be doing wrong I'm also another interesting echo in the Quran when the first time Ma'adallah was used in the minister's house when he said I cling to refuge with Allah he also said wrongdoers don't ever succeed that's the statement that he made he started with Ma'adallah and ended with Valimun don't succeed here the, his statement began Ma'adallah and it ends if we did that we would be wrongdoers so there's an interesting subtle connection being made in this surah between these two concepts. The concept of seeking Allah's protection with being a wrongdoer. There's a connection being made between these two things. Now what could that connection be? In very explicit terms it would be, I seek Allah's protection, not just from evils. I seek Allah's protection because if I don't, I will become a wrongdoer. Nobody is nobody's free from that possibility unless I hold on to Allah, unless I seek protection with Allah. Nobody's above it. La tuzakku anfusakum. Don't declare yourselves spiritually cleansed. That you're self-righteous and you can't do wrong. He knows better whoever has taqwa. So he says, in that case, we would actually be wrongdoers. And actually, there's also a play on words here. We're not the ones that are wrongdoers. And a brother isn't the one who's a wrongdoer. Your words are misplaced. You calling him a thief and his family thieves is misplaced. Your wrongs to our father are misplaced. And if you think I'm doing dhulm, some kind of wrong to our father, you should look in the mirror. You're the ones that, that are wrong. And if I did something, I'm only doing it for the dhulm to end. Not to add to the to the wrongdoing. I'm doing it for the wrongdoing to end. But it's all encoded inside of his words. Basically, what this is telling us is, as as kind as Yusuf is, he gave a principled response to them. This is how it's going to be. I'm not going to do wrong for you. That's not happening. And they're pleading and they're begging, and it's not happening. The last thing I want to share with you with today's brief session is the contrast. 
And the contrast is in the beginning, you found that they were so proud that they were a nahnu. Nahnu usbatun. We are a powerful band. So their arrogance came from them being this huge number. And they took so much pride in it that even if you accept the evil eye theory of going from different gates, he said, you guys are too showy. Go from what? Different gates, right? And now they are coming to the minister and the minister who was all alone and isolated and being beat and tossed in a ditch, he's the one that says nahnu. He's the one that says we will take whoever we found our things with and we would be wrongdoers otherwise. So he's speaking in the we and they're the ones isolated. It's been, it's been flipped. How the, the shift of power has, has been illustrated even by the use of pronouns in this remarkable ayah. So now inshallah, here we've, uh, you know, I, I've got a couple more ayat to do. I haven't decided, uh, neither Sheikh Sahib nor I, whether or not we're going to go up to ayah number 81 tomorrow or just one ayah tomorrow because it is a long ayah. But then again, uh, you know, 79 to 80 or uh, 80 to 81 are all uh, connected. Um, we'll see, but if we do finish that tomorrow, then on Wednesday we'll do a comparison with the biblical narrative up until now, and then move on, inshallah ta'ala. So with that, inshallah, I'll conclude for today's brief conversation. Also, I just wanted to make a quick announcement. I'm, I'm working on setting up um, for teaching Arabic. Uh, I made the announcement on Facebook a couple of weeks ago, and I'm the preparations are very much underway. I know I haven't given you guys details, but even before I give details, I've decided to give you guys a, a student orientation. Uh, just so it's clear to any of you that are interested in studying Arabic with me, what that means, what to expect, what kind of commitment to expect, what kind of mindset to have, what should you have ready, what should be what you'll be working on right now, all those kinds of questions. Because at the end of the day, I don't want you to just take part in that because it sounds fun. I need people that are going to be actually committed and, and, and stick it out long term. So I'll lay out exactly what the expectations are over the next couple of days. Um, and I've you know set up the studio to do that inshallah ta'ala so look forward to you know sharing that with you guys and I hope to see positive response from you barakallahu li wa lakum assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh